Welcome to the Food Junkies podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. Happy Friday, Food Junkies listeners. Molly here. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Today, Clarissa and I speak with Charlie Bishop. But before I tell you more about Charlie, I wanted to let you know Clarissa and I are hosting a free open house for Sweet Sobriety on Wednesday, March 29th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to know more information, check the show notes. Charlize Charlie Bishop, CEO, founder, and lead therapist at CR Counseling, is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a passion to help create change in you. She has worked with clients transitioning into corporate America, relational or marital issues, anxiety, depression, and issues with self-esteem. Charlie has a passion for eating disorders and aims to bring awareness to the Black community. Charlie provides a safe space for you to be vulnerable while learning skills to create change. She believes that change comes in the form of desire and dedication met with thoughts and emotions. Charlie's clients often enter therapy for the first time confused and unsure how to handle life. Charlie teaches how to manage and cope with chaos, process childhood memories, and work through uncomfortable emotions. In today's episode, we discuss Charlie's personal and professional journey, social, historical, cultural, and multi-generational factors that impact BIPOC clients and their relationship with their bodies, how Black families think about body image and how this is passed from one generation to another, how to help clients trust their bodies when they may be convinced they can't, using techniques and tools to help clients make shifts. BMI and supporting clients as they navigate medical pushback, actual health markers clients should focus on, body positivity, taking up space, spirituality, and our signature question. Welcome, Charlie. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Charlie, for being here with us today, taking the time. I know your time is very valuable, so we're just going to jump right into it. Will you tell us about your journey and how you came to be so passionate about mental health and body image issues within the context of Black families' experiences? Yes. So I'm going to try to make a long story short. I am a person who has went through eating disorder, gone into recovery, and has been looked at in my family like, do you really have an eating disorder? Like, is that really a thing? And so being in a place of having to fight against my cultural perspectives on eating disorders, it kind of helped me get to a place of being able to talk about this stuff. So my passion about mental health and about body image actually came from my experience. And when I went through treatment myself, it was one of those things like, okay, I'm the only Black person in here out of clients and out of staff. And I don't know if I got the full experience the full treatment that I needed to kind of help me stay in recovery. And so I kind of looked at it and then I was also working, I've also worked in a treatment facility for eating disorders and just kind of noticed that when you do have black clients or people of color that come through, yes, you can use the same type of therapeutic modalities in a sense, but the approach to bringing a, a black client in, it, it has to be a little bit different. A, there's not a lot about eating disorder knowledge. First off, so you have to teach that knowledge. And then also you have to make the um, the Black client feel welcome. And so that's kind of where my experience came from. And, and now I've been able to really speak out on a national and international level about the importance of understanding Black families, Black client, right? Body image, eating disorders, and how all those things kind of intertwine. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the social, historical, cultural, and multi-generational factors that impact your clients and their relationships with their body? You know, this is one of my favorite questions because I, I have a workshop called Black Families and Body Image. And this workshop, it's called Black Families and Body Image, a need for holistic approach when treating Black clients. And this workshop itself hits on social and cultural concepts, historical concepts as to why and how Black families got to the place that we are. And to make a long story short, I don't want to take up too much time, 
But you have to understand that when you are working with Black clients, that the Black client that you're working with has this history of oppression, has this history of slavery, has this history of anti-Blackness in a sense, right? It's, it's this list of things. And what we have to do is we have to look at history and how history repeats itself. History started with Black people coming to the not coming, but they were forced, right? Bought, sold, and, and shipped here, right? And then once they get here, they got on that auction block. And that's where body image pieces kind of, in my opinion, kind of started. Because once you get that Black person up on that auction block, especially a Black woman, they're picking and prodding and poking. Does she have childbearing hips, right? Does she have a sexually appealing body? Does the men, do they have strong bodies? You know, so they're looking at these pieces and then you're also splitting them, right? You're splitting that family because if I'm buying and selling this man and woman and not taking the children, we're looking at family dysfunction. And so over time, these different thoughts and messages and, and feelings about the body and who I am and, and being pop, poked and product really kind of lingers into today's society, right? And then also looking at in, in the social context for Black people, we have entertainment. So we have music. Everybody does, but in, in particular, in specifics, music, TV, movies, social media, right? There's so many different concepts that plays into how Black people are supposed to see themselves or Black women in particular. We're supposed to be curvy. We're supposed to be thin, right? The Coke bottle shape, right? But what happens when I don't align with that Coke bottle shape? What happens if I am identified as fat or I am skinnier, right? I don't have those curves. Then what does society say about my beauty? You know, and it's hard to look at and distinguish between what's the, the standard of beauty in a sense when the standard of beauty comes from a European descent. Right. And that's that's what you have to look at. OK, this this aesthetics of what beauty is was never even built around black people. It wasn't where we were thicker. We were sexualized. We were not as important as this cultural piece of European descent. And then lastly, I'm all, I want to speak to thin bleaching is one of those things, too, that the Black culture, and this more so is in, if I'm not mistaken, Jamaica, uh, Bahamas, overseas a little bit, where that is like a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Where they are skin, bleaching their skin to appear to be white, right? They're trying to go towards this European descent for different reasons. I don't know why, you know, <laughs> some people like to white pass. That's been a thing before as well. But I, I'm kind of just jumping around, but it's it's really important, like I mentioned, generational factors, looking at slavery, looking at Jim Crow era, looking at the Great Migration, looking at where we are today, right? Racism still exists today. And how does those pieces connect to how we view ourselves? Absolutely. And so, so you said you have a workshop on this. Like, how long is that workshop? Is it a few hours? Is it span weeks? Like, how long do you take to take a family or an individual through such a workshop? Yeah. So I actually, the workshop is tailored towards professionals that work with the Black clients. And so this workshop is about an hour and a half to two hours, just depending on what what's requested. And actually, the interesting thing about that is I first, that was my first time doing a public speaking on, on a real level was Black Families of Body Image in 2020. And from there, I have given that speech about 30 times, that workshop about 30 times in two years. Um, and it's still, I'm, I've been on a virtual tour, as I like to call it, for Black Families of Body Image because it's high, so highly requested. And so, yeah, it's about an hour and a half to two hours, just depending on what's required, what's requested. Yeah, it's so interesting to me that you have this workshop. So we have a colleague, her name is Shun Foreman. She is a nurse in Texas and her whole thing is her brand is Sugar Mode Off. And she did her master's degree, like her thesis on the Sugarland 95, I want to say is the number of it. it. So it was a sugar plantation in Texas and young black men, well, maybe not just young, but black men who were imprisoned were sent to this sugar plantation and like, they would never come home, right? Like they would have like six month sentences, but they would like die there. And, and so her, you know, her platform is helping families of color to reduce the amount of sugar and like really 
teach on this historical level of like, listen, this is all based, like it is based in slavery. And so much of what is pushed on us is just like another form of oppression. And so it just really sounds like what you're working, you know, like that those things would really go hand in hand. And so thank you for sharing that information about that workshop and that it's for professionals. That's something that I should probably look into getting getting (laughs) involved with and learning from you. So in your experience then in working with the clients that you work with, are there commonalities about body image and like, just to get a little bit more into specifics, are there commonalities about body image and like how that is passed from generation to generation? I mean, do we have grandmothers or fathers like telling their children that they should look a certain way or like, how does that play out? Yes, I'm glad that you asked it. And I speak a lot, I should clarify, that I speak a lot from a female's perspective because we all know statistics is that there's more women that's statistically reported to have eating disorders. Not to say that men don't, but men don't talk about it as much. And it, But it happens. I've actually treated a few men in, in my professional career. But it's interesting because when I when I give that specific workshop and I mention these commonalities, I have so many people like, oh, my gosh, like, yes, it happened in my family. And the things that you like you ask, there are things that grandparents or, or, or parents that they say about how they want their child to look. What happens in black families is it's not a specific of you need to look this way, but they make comments like thunder thigh, bubble butt, baby fat that makes you as a child look like. Is something wrong with it? Like, what's wrong with that, right? And so it brings on this mindset. And not everybody. Some some people can have those thoughts come in and out, in and out. It doesn't bother them. But for some people who start to become body conscious, right, as a young child, you have those messages like that that sticks, you know. And then also diet culture is heavy too. So you got Circle K, Special K, whatever, keto diet, all these different diet phases that come through. Back then, when my parents were growing up, they had what, Jenny Craig, I think is what it was, right? And, and I'm speaking from experience too, because I come from a very diet cultured family where I have numerous aunts that have under, underwent surgery, body sculpted surgery. They didn't, they didn't need it, right? It was just because they wanted to. And I'm talking about like multiple multiple even you know in my immediate family weight watchers is a big thing like i mentioned those special k guys like this has always been a thing and so these messages that i hear not only within my family but with my clients are you shouldn't be too big right we were naturally curvy but check your curves right check to make sure your thighs aren't rubbing together those type of things another thing that you hear in black families a lot are when it comes to food in particular is I pay for that food. You need to eat all your food. You're not getting up from this table till you eat all your food, right? Even if you don't like it. I hate spaghetti. <laughs> I hate spaghetti. Uh, but it's one that I used to try to spread my food out like I ate it. I had to eat it. <laughs> but it's still those type of messages and, and things that you hear that makes you reconsider what is it that is beautiful, what is, is attractive, what is acceptable. And we have to get away from that. We have to get away from these, that's just what we say type of things. Like, that's still not cool. Like, it's not cool. We have a nickname in my family called F-150. It does not, they do not understand the impact that they had on me. But now they are starting to say it to my niece. And I'm like, oh, hold it. Hello. Oh, can I cut? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, hold the hell up now. Hold up. Because this is a baby. And I'm speaking from a place of, it hit me wrong. It didn't hit anybody else wrong that I know of. You never know. Because in Black families and Black culture, what happens in this house stays in this house. But I'm a firm believer that if, if it messed you up, talk about it. <laughs> but yeah, so I have to make sure that I check them on that too. So does that answer your question? Yeah. So if I'm a client and I'm coming to see you for help, you know, maybe I am in a bigger body. How do you help me decide what is right for me? And, you know, essentially like find, like, do you work with me addressing the way I eat, the way I exercise? Like, how do you work with people to kind of get them to start to find a way to maybe start to trust their body and get like their own information. Yeah. So I, I make sure that I clarify that I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. And so I don't speak to meal planning. I don't speak to caloric intake or anything like that. That is not my scope. 
I do have a dietitian that I can refer to. So I make sure that I say that piece. But when it comes to body dysmorphia or eating disorders in general, there's a commonality about control. And the piece is, you know, I want, I can't control what's happening around me, but I can control my food intake. I can control my body and how it looks. And so once we're able to understand what is it that you are, that you can't control out here, a lot of times it's trauma, some type of trauma related something that has happened that they that they didn't have control over. And so we work towards healing from that trauma, whatever that may be, healing from those family messages or whatever, right? Looking at those core beliefs that you have about yourself, reframing those, reshifting those to be able to be more confident in your body. A lot of these clients have low self-esteem, right? I mentioned like having this Coke bottle figure. Oh, well, I see on Instagram, I see on on the movie, on the TV shows and this, that, and the fourth, that they have these banging bodies, these snatched bodies, which is very popular. That's a buzzword right now, snatched bodies, which is the Coke bottle shape. I see that they have this. I see that they're getting BBLs, Brazilian butt lifts, fat transfer, all these different things. And so I feel like I'm not pretty enough because I don't look like that. Well, how can we embrace you as you are, right? How can we look at you as being the unique person that you are and you feel comfortable standing out in your own way, right? You don't have to conform to what society says as a beautiful Black woman, right? You don't have to do that. I mean, so once that kind of clicks, they're like, okay, <laughs> like, okay, I can kind of work with that. But, and to be honest, there are some people who th- there is a health issue at, at bay, right? Diabetes, high blood pressure, whatever that may be, thyroid issues, whatever that may be. And so there is a necessity, a health necessity to maybe lose a few pounds or lose some weight, but it doesn't mean that you aren't as beautiful or you aren't as important, right? Just because you have to do those things. And even if you knock off a few pounds and you know, you're at a place now and you're still at a larger body, right? But you're still beautiful. Like all bodies are beautiful. Um, There's a book, The Body Takes the Score. I'm sure y'all heard of that. Like it's books like that that I refer to as well that like all bodies fit. It, it, it is what it is. And I'm very much, very much a realist. And so this is where we're at right now. And let's step into reality because where you're at right now and what you see and what you feel, um, a lot of the times it's irrational. You're not as big as you see, right? That's, that's not what's happening. And so I kind of help them transition out of irrational thinking to rational thinking by refocusing, by reframing. And I want to come back to, we want to have that conversation with you about the releasing of weight for health concerns. We're, we're going to circle back to that, but before yeah. we get or, you know, get there. I'm really curious to know about like a lot of what you're saying reminds me of cognitive behavioral therapy. So I'm not sure if like that's where you work from. Are those the techniques that you typically use when working with your clients to reframe thoughts? And then if so, do you have anything in particular, particular technique or tool that you use in CBT that really does help a client make that shift and then build that trust with their body that they've been told, you know, they can't trust or it's not right. Like that they're not seeing it correctly, that the world is seeing it correctly and it's wrong. Yes. Yes. So yes, I work when it's, I'm working individually. I work with CBT. I use those concepts. When I'm working with a family, I use more of a Bohemian approach, looking at the whole system in itself, but I work more with individuals here recently. And you asked about specific techniques, right? Yeah, the specific things that you use that you have found to be maybe the most effective in general with clients and us moving them forward with that. Yeah. Yes. So there's this technique or or intervention I use called a thought record. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that. The thought record, even if I don't go through the whole thing, I make sure that I hit on evidence-based facts. And that always get my clients thinking because am I thinking right now? Is this my opinion? Is this my projection? Or is the, are these facts? And usually in that moment, once they realize that this isn't factual, this isn't logical, this is really irrational thinking, they're like, oh, well, then I can think of something different. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And so what are those things that you can think differently about? How can you learn to accept your body for what it is, right? And you don't have to be in this, a lot of, I see a lot of dancers, pre, uh, pre-dancers. You don't have to be back in this small dancer body, right? You can, you're grown now. You are growing up. We all know that weight comes and goes. The older you get, it, it sticks a little bit more, right? It's kind of harder to let go. And so now that you're growing out of that phase, how can you learn to accept where you are now? I use intermittent affirmation cards that actually I want to, I want to mention these. This, these have been a game changer. This is from unbrokenmama.com. And you can find, I don't even know her name, but unbroken underscore mama on Instagram. These cards, I'm telling you, change the game. I give these cards for homework and their affirmations and they have to use these different affirmations and they're all body related. So that's been really good. I use music a lot. Hip hop is one of those things that is just there. And so we try to find positive hip hop songs, positive R&B songs. We've even thrown in some pop, reggae, whatever it is that they like. And we make playlists as well. But CBT, I'm sorry, I, I get sidetracked. CBT, Thought Records, it has been my number one go-to. And then constantly reframing in session. Because I can tell you to do this all day. But if I if I can catch it during session and we work through it right there, I'm like, hold on, hold on, let's pause here. It sounds like to me projecting a little bit, but I don't know. You tell me what happens. And then it kind of calls them out like, okay, you're right. There I go again. There I go again. I mean, it's holding them accountable too, right? If you want to make the changes, I can't force you to do it, but I can hold you accountable. And if you don't want to hold yourself accountable, that's fine. I'm going to do it. I do it. So, Which is uh, always lovely when you can say like, I'm hearing you say, these are the things that you want to change, right? Like you're coming here, you're saying, these are the issues. I want them to be different. Yet every time you leave, the behavior shows me something opposite from that. And so then we're kind of like on this repeated, right? It's just like the same play, right? Words being, or problems being played out over and over again. And it sounds like you get to interrupt and say like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I even had a client, I I told her, I said, hey, we've been meeting for such and such sessions. You tell me you want to do, you want to make some changes. You tell me you want to do these things and I haven't seen you change. So we're no longer going to work on this goal. This is no longer a goal. We'll, we'll give it, we'll work on something else. If you have anything else to work on, then our, our therapy is done. And that fires them up. Like, okay, I'll make the changes. Okay. Well, let's see it happen. And if not, we, we're done. If therapy's not one of those things where I'm your best friend, no, you're here for do a job and my job is to help heal you. And, and I'm, if you're not making any changes, I'm not the therapist for you. And that has not backfired up until this point. Knock on wood. Thank you, God. That it hasn't backfired. <laughs> it's it's, it's work. It's, people like for you to be real. They want you to be upright. They don't need you to sugarcoat nothing. Tell me what it is and we'll be able to work through it. Yeah, because they're coming to see you for help, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you have, I know I've certainly run into certain experiences where BMI has been, you know, essentially a barrier to receiving even some medical interventions for clients and, you know, whether it was because like all their health markers were great, but their BMI was too high. And that was literally based on whether they were an indigenous person or a person of color. And so do you have any experience with this? And what what are your thoughts about BMI? BMI was created for, not for us, right? They didn't take it to consider that genetics, our body sculptures, culture, the food that we were forced to eat back in slavery time, we were given scraps. So that was leftover pig, uh, all beef, whatever it was, it was scraps. And so that led to high blood pressure. That led to cholesterol issues, right? We wasn't given fresh fruits and vegetables. So when they created this whole BMI thing, they didn't take into consideration all concepts, all cultures, right? It was mainly from what I read, the the statistics was for a, a white person, right? A European descent. And so, again, I stay in my scope. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist, a dietitian. I'm none of that. But I can speak to the fact that I know that it wasn't made for us. 
And so when a client, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm actually currently working with a client right now who is so stuck and fixated on this BMI. And, and I'm like, okay, so what does that even mean? Like if you were to be in the, in what the height and weight says, then what, right? Because if we could, you can fix outside all day. Like when people go get surged, you fix it all day. But what's about the inside, right? What's happening internally for you to heal? So when you, when you're considering BMI, I say don't, but I'm not a doctor. So don't quote me. If you listen to this, go to your doctor. But I just think that it just wasn't made for us. It wasn't. Hey guys, Molly here. I just wanted to let you know that Sweet Sobriety is offering a new workshop in April, 2023. You are not what you weigh. Getting over the scale live workshop will be presented to you by Bethany Mazaru. Bethany uses her master of social work to coach you through a recovery plan that works for you. She offers high challenge, accountability, authenticity, and lots of grace on this road to recovery. This workshop is for you if you suspect you might be giving too much weight to your weight, if you have ever allowed the scale to have power over your mood, day, actions, or confidence, if you're tired of giving too much thought or priority to your weight, or if you just want to know more about the BMI, weight and health, weight stigma, weight bias, and what weight loss does to us physically and mentally. Over four pre-recorded video sessions, Bethany dives deep into the research and her own personal story, making this a very practical exploration of the concept of body weight as a measure. The homework after each video is designed to help you get the most out of this workshop. Bethany has also provided a list of resources, books, podcasts, Instagram accounts, meditations, and more to help you explore concepts from the workshop even further. You can also join in weekly live group sessions to share what you're learning and to ask questions. And these sessions are held on Wednesdays, April 5th, 12th, 19th, and 26th at 2 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. UK. Sessions will be recorded and replay will be made available to you. Check the show notes for more information. The thing that I love about what you just said though, right, is is it really tells us or reminds us that there are two things going on here. There is the psychological, emotional attachment to this number, um, which is all diet culture. It's, you know, and doctors, right, the medical professionals all wrapped up in that as well, right? So there's this physical, emotional thing where, like you said, like, then what, right? We get to start to explore that. But then there is this piece that we kind of started talking about a bit earlier where like Clarissa was saying, like, how then do we help our clients, especially when we're dealing with things like eating disorders, disordered eating, body dysmorphia, body image concerns, the relentless pursuit of thinness, right? Like all of those things that we're working with, how then do we support them when, and and I don't know if you've experienced this, but we've definitely experienced this, especially in the past year, it seems like it's come up quite a bit where we're working so hard with our clients, you know, walking them through this recovery process, and then they have a medical need and it's not even directly related to their weight. It's something like IVF or Mm -hmm. a knee surgery and everything else is good to go. Blood pressure is great, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the doctor, the medical profession has stepped in and said, until your BMI is this, you can't have the medical intervention. Mm-hmm. Do you ever encounter that? And if so, how do you support your clients through that? Because we're with you. The BMI was not created for anybody. It was, it was created by a mathematician. It's a, it's a statistic for like whole groups of people. And it doesn't consider gender. It doesn't consider any of those things. Like you said, it's literally height and weight. Uh-huh. So we know it's like baloney. Yeah. So yeah. Do you, have you ever encountered that with a client? And if so, how did you help them? Um, I, I'm thinking and I and I haven't had that experience to where they couldn't get something done that was a necessity due to BMI. But just kind of thinking about something similar, I had a client who was going, oh, I had a client that was going for the BBL surgery. And it's so crazy because they had come to me like a few days before for an intake, before the surgery. And I'm like, okay, why didn't you come to me before this? But okay. And uh, at that point, by the time I worked with the client, they were already had the surgery. They were going for the surgery. But we kind of backtracked and looked at, okay, you needed to lose this weight to get this surgery. In the process of losing the weight, what changed for you mentally? In the process of losing the weight, what did you start to like about yourself? Or what did you lose about yourself, right? And so it's really just processing. But to pull back to be in mind, I haven't had that experience. But I do when I, when I tell clients that weight doesn't matter, right? So if you go to the doctor and it's routine, let me get your height, let me get your weight, 
you don't have to look at it. You can blind way. You can turn backwards, right? You don't have to look at the um, scale. You don't have to give them your weight if you don't want to, unless it's necessity. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that because I haven't. Yeah, absolutely. And we were just curious if you had that experience, like how you do that, because we are clinicians as well. And so we run up into the, you know, and so it's just an opportunity to get to chat with another colleague and just say like, Hey, what, what works for you? Is that something that we can try? You know, because I guess the question then really that comes from that is like, what are actual health markers that you would rather your clients be focused on than the number on the scale, the size of their genes, the yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, whatever it is that they're diagnosed with, right? If it's high blood pressure, if it's uh cholesterol issues, because I we we understand that these these diseases, these health issues, they can be life or death. And so if it means that you need to lose some weight in order to help you live longer, then we can work towards that. But it's just so hard. It's that thin line because if you already are struggling with body image, if you already are struggling with an eating disorder, and then they're telling you that you need to lose weight or you need to gain weight, right? There's some instances where you need to gain some weight. It's hard to fight against the urges to binge or purge, right, or restrict when you have to do something that's going to give you a longer life. That's where I say a team comes in. I can't do this by myself. As a therapist, I cannot. I need the, we need to work with the psychiatrist. We need to have a dietitian on our team. We need to be working with whatever doctor is diagnosing you. And we all need to work together um, to kind of get the best approach for this client. Because and then even looking at this one client, even if it's a black client, all things don't just go to just one black person. Like you have to be able to work with what goals with this person, what works best for this person. There are some similar approaches that you could take, but everybody is different. So my answer to that is teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> yeah, that is a good answer because it is so challenging, right? When it is for the better health of the individual you're working with. However, they have these body image issues and eating disorder and mm-hmm. that you're at, like they need to release weight. And how do we have that conversation to help them get there in a supportive way when, you know, sometimes in the eating disorder field, we want to not talk about weight at all, but it's like, how do you not talk about the thing that the client is most concerned about at right. the same time? Right. And right. still address the problem. So and I'm different yeah. if, you, if the client doesn't want to address the weight because it's disordered or um, do we, are we not discussing the weight? Yeah, if it's if it's disordered, because then it's like, okay, we need to talk about this. Um, well, maybe we don't need to talk about this, but if it's for, for the health, then we need to talk about it. Um, if that yeah. makes sense. I'm yeah. sorry, I cut you off. No, 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 that's fine. I'm just wondering, do you are you somebody that works more with like body positivity, body neutrality? Is mm-hmm. there a modality that you find works well with the clients that you work with? Yeah, body positivity is definitely one of the things that I have worked with the most. And um, I'm going to pull back to CBT. CBT has been one of those things that has been tremendously helpful. And the, the use of building confidence, right? Once we've worked through that trauma piece, whatever that trauma may be, and, and nobody's trauma is small or big or whatever. If it's big to you, it's big to you. So we're going to work with that. And everybody trauma doesn't doesn't look like sexual abuse or you know things like that, which we all know. But once we work through that piece, we look, we use, as I mentioned, the CBT pieces to be happy, be excited, find joy in your body, right? Can create this new relationship with your body. Cause we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and bear the old one. Oh, I should mention this one. Oh, I love this one. I have this thing that I do. I get a plate, ceramic plate from Dollar Tree or whatever. And you write down all of those core beliefs, negative core beliefs that you had about yourself, all of those automatic negative thoughts. And and I should say that when I'm talking to my client, I'm not using these terminology. I'm talking about whatever terms we use. But for teaching purposes, we write down all the negative automatic thoughts. We write down all of those uh, negative core beliefs. 
And then we take a hammer, take it outside, and we whack it, whack it, just end it, right? Because this relationship that you have with your body no longer is present, right? I'm not going to say that it that it never existed because it did. It was a part of who you were. This is a, this is a chapter in your life. You can use this chapter for growth later. But the new relationship that we're building now, we're going to be more positive. We're going to be more focused on building that self-esteem, building that confidence, Right. And understanding that your body, whether it has dents, curves, rolls, stretch marks, I love my tiger stripes, right? Like <laughs> whatever it is, it's okay. Like bottom line, it's okay. In my one in one of the other rooms in here, I have this big mirror, probably about a, a seven or eight foot mirror. And on it is written, um, I wish you saw what I see. And so when I'm working with clients that has these body image issues, it's in the waiting room. So when they come in the waiting room, they were like, Charlie, why do you have this mirror in here? And I'm like, one day, one day you will see what I see. And then eventually I've had a few clients that come in, they stand in that mirror and I'm like, it's time to come on in for session. They're like, no, hold on. I think I see what you see. And that those are the moments I want to cry because I'm like, yes, yes. Yes, those are the moments that I that I work for. So yeah, body positivity, loving the body that you're in, whether it's smaller, whether it's larger, whether it's neutral in the middle, you have to love you for somebody else to love you too. So do you think it's more about acceptance for these individuals you're working with of what actually is like I, I just did a 23andMe like genetic testing and mm -hmm. it came up and it was like you will be prone to having more stretch marks and mm -hmm. like it's just in your DNA and you have like you are a very muscular person and my whole life I was fighting against the idea that I could change all this and that I had more power over this than what was actually true and that just accepting this actually can equal freedom mm -hmm. yes acceptance is the key and in my opinion that's when you know that therapy is almost over once you reach this place of it is what it is right it's this piece of i wanted this this trying to achieve this body, trying to achieve this look created turmoil. It created sadness, depression. It created in, in, intense anxiety. It created a space where I no longer love myself. And so once I'm able to accept that, hey, maybe this is the body that's for me genetically is, is built for me. And it may not look like what I wanted it to look like. And that's okay. Right. That's and that's okay. And so growing to that piece of acceptance, and, and I'm speaking because I had to get to that piece too. I'm genetically prone to have a big butt. I hated my butt, hated it. And it's crazy because in the community, like that's what people want. People are paying to get BBLs. And when I was going through my eating disorder, I was trying to small, like I wanted to like feel small. I wanted to be smaller because Growing up and, you know, not to get too much into my um, my trauma, but my, me having a, a bigger butt at such a young age created a tension that I did not want. And so that piece kind of connected to, OK, well, this having a big butt brings this. I don't want this. So it's small. But then once I got to a place where it's like, even though this thing, these things happened to me as a child, my butt is still going to be here. It's just it's still going to be here. Right. And so I had to learn to accept that it's here. I'm, I'm curvy. I can't help that. I'm from the South. We're cornbread fed down here. <laughs> We're naturally thicker down here. So it's gonna, it's okay. It's okay to be in this body. It's okay to have roles. It's okay to have, like I said, my tiger stripes. It's okay to be that way and still love me, love the world, view my world through a more positive outlook. And it's okay. Like, it's okay. So acceptance, yes. Yeah. It just made me think about similar experiences as a child. I've just always been bigger. Like I, I mean, I was over five feet tall in fifth grade. Like I was just so much bigger and yes, that unwanted attention and remembering feeling so ashamed by people's comments, right? Because there would be oh, yes. adults in my life that would, you know, tell me that I was too fat or right overweight, that that was undesirable. 
in whatever way they intended it for it to be undesirable. But then there would be these adults or older people in my life that said it was desirable Mm -hmm. and it was so right. And I was like, you're like 10, 11 years old. Like, how are you supposed to, yes, you're confused. How are you supposed to process that, you know, and, and trying to figure that out. And so just to think about in your developmental stage at 10, 11 mm-hmm. years, right? Our brain is growing, pruning, growing, pruning. It's not right. fully developed till we're about 25 on average, right? And, and to think about that and then to know that, okay, today we work with our clients. So we had to do our own work, but now we're working with, with clients. And it's like, like the question, you know, like Clarissa asked, body positivity, body neutrality, what is it? And I think for me with my clients, it's whatever it is that they want. If they want body positivity, that's what we're going to work toward. If they want body neutrality, that's what we're going to work toward. I know for me, which one works better for me over the other, you know, or whatever. But I think this question comes up a lot too, because Lizzo, I'm just going to throw that at Lizzo. And I love Lizzo. I love her music. I love, I love her messaging. And I know that it's not even for me, right? Like I know that the songs that she writes and the stories that she tells, I know that they're not for me but I can identify so much of my lived experience in her lived experience. But what this has done is it has brought up because we have clients who are not always in bigger bodies. We have clients who are in, you know, underweight bodies and even straight weight bodies and in group in processing, they start to take issue with this messaging that somehow we're promoting that that her message promotes being unhealthy. And I'm like, you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. That is not at all what's happening here. And I was just wondering, and, and I don't know if this is really in your wheelhouse, but I would love it if you were willing, if this was anything you ever spoke about, could we have just a brief discussion about what is happening there with that whole movement and what it's actually about? Yes, you know, and I have seen comments that have tore Lizzo down. She even went like on a live crying about how she's viewed, right? This fat, fat phobia piece. But Lizzo, and, and this is my opinion, Lizzo is speaking from a place of, I, I know that where what size body I'm in can cause different health issues. I know that I'm aware of that. However, I still love that I'm in this body, right? I still love that I don't have to conform to what society says is the standard of beauty. I don't have to do that. I'm also aware that I don't know what type of health issue she has. Only she does, you know, but even if so, she's like, it's my body. If if I want to be unhealthy, if I want to do this, it's fine. And she's showing people, especially plus size women, that you don't have to, you can wear what you want to wear. You can, you can, you can say what you want to say, right? And you don't have to just kneel down. And for the people who kind of look at, oh, it's, it's she's she just promoting being unhealthy, obese, right? You you going you can die from that. I'm pretty sure she's aware. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's aware of that. Yes, yes. And I tried to explain it's more about the fact that one, our body shapes and sizes are not a fad, right? Like heroin chic, quote unquote, right? Like people yeah. can't see this interview, but, but you know, that was from the eighties and nineties. Right. And then like you were saying, like, even today, and now it's like this Coke bottle thing or snatched bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just this reminder that like somebody's body type is not a fad for one, but also what is so wrong with taking up space in the world as a woman, as a black woman, as what, yeah. right? Like, why is it such a bad thing that she takes up space in the world? What makes that yeah. so hard? For you, right? What is it about her truth that like irritates your inner demons? Mm. And so that's kind of been my pushback. And I don't know if I'm wrong. Like I'm willing to be wrong and to be something here, but that's my big thing is what is it about her existing Mm -hmm. authentically, genuinely, you know, just as she is unapologetically that upsets you. Right. Right. And so I didn't know, yeah, I just didn't know like what your opinion was on that, or if you even experience clients who struggle with that, you know, and and Lizzo just comes to mind for me just because again, like, I think she is so, I don't know she just represents so many people, whether she thinks that she does or knows that she does or not. Right. Cause I think she's just so relatable. She's so relatable. And you, I want to pull back. You said that her taking up space Mm -hmm. as a black woman when we take up space, it could be seen as aggressive. It could be seen as disruptive. 
right? And that's what a lot of people are saying. She's disrupting stuff, right? But why is it that when a Black woman is taking up space, we can't just be passionate, right? We can't just be want this. We can't be focused on this. We can't be fighting for something. It has to look like uh, uh, aggressive piece. Yeah. That's why it hit me because I'm like, yes, you are right. She is, she is taking those spaces. She's doing a damn good job at it and keep it up, Lizzo. Like, keep going. Yes. Keep making them mad because it's something like you said, and I'm going to report that. It's waking up demons inside of them, right? What is what is hitting on with you? Like, what's, what's your problem, right? Right. And then instead of having an intelligent, logical kind of like breakdown of what it is that's so disruptive about right. her we're attacking her body size yes yes come on people come on <laughs> right it's 2023 let's grow up let's move forward right so anyway thank you so much for entertaining that kind of like yes. rabbit trail there i just it's been on my heart a lot because i think that she gives voice she gives me courage to mm-hmm. show up and take up space you know, in a body that some days I don't have the best relationship with and other days are better, right? It's this, it's, it's an ongoing thing. Like any other relationship, it's not just like, well, now it's fixed. It's better. And I have this wonderful relationship. It's this conversation that Mm has to go on. And, and there's something about somebody, you know, just being herself that gives me courage to be myself too. So thank you so much for that. Clarissa, I'll let you jump in there. I know you were trying to get in there. No, I was just curious if you ever have days where, like Molly just talked about, with a history of eating disorder, some days, you know, we do all the right things and we just have bad body days. And what are some things that you do and maybe could encourage our listeners to try as well? Yes, I would be lying and saying that I woke up every morning and I'm like, oh, I love this. Because some days I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, Charlie, what you got going on, my girl? What you got? <laughs> And on those days, um, I, I rec- I've grown to recognize that it's not even my body that I'm frustrated with. It's I have other stuff going on and I have always known to take it out on my body, to just give it to myself. Like, see, that's why you didn't have those roles right there. If you were da, 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 you had eight better. It's not even about that. Charlie, come on now. And so I have to remind myself that. It's not about your body right now. It's not because of what you ate. It's not because of you, you're gaining a little weight. It's not because of that. What's really going on? And I recognize, oh, okay, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Money could be um, in the vibe right now. I could be having issues with my, you know, it just could be a numerous, uh, numerous of things. And so as a person in recovery, you just have to make sure that you check yourself. Because it's easy to fall back in that rabbit hole, right? It's easy to go backwards. And so just being able to look my, look at myself and say, hey, mm-hmm, not today. <laughs> not today, my girl. Absolutely not. Do I need to go up to the office and look in that mirror? <laughs> not today. Not today. Oh, amazing. Well, I know we're running out of time. And again, I know that your time is valuable. And so first question is, is there anything that we didn't ask today that you think would be really important for us to know or for the listeners to know when it comes to, you know, eating disorders, body image, you know, through more of like a BIPOC lens? Is there anything we missed? One thing that comes to mind is, and I I don't think we hit on it, was uh, spirituality. And spirituality is one of those things that I find is a key component. Now, when I say spirituality, I do not mean that everybody has to be has a spiritual relationship with God. I'm saying whatever your spiritual connection to, it's important to have a connection because get going through an eating disorder in general, it's gonna take more than than your team. It's going to take you having faith in something that's bigger than yourself to get you through whatever you need to get through. Faith is a commonality amongst all spirituality. Believing in something that you can't see. And so believing in recovery, believing in a, in a place of I'll get there one day, even though I can't fathom the thought, right, that it'll get there. And so I want to make sure that I that I mentioned that. But other than that, you know, I think we, we hit it. <laughs> we hit it. I hope that your listeners were able to grasp hold of something when it comes to Black people in general. Because it's, it's, a, it's a different, it's a different school. It's a different piece to work with. 
Absolutely. So if we had listeners today that really related with what you were saying and maybe wanted to seek out and find more, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at CR Counseling LLC. And then my that's my business page. And then also I have a podcast, which we just finished. Well, we'll record a season two, but season one ended um, a little bit last year. Black Girl Body. And that's raw, raw content. So be prepared for that. It's explicit. <laughs> but Black Girl Body on Facebook and Instagram. And then just my personal page is underscore Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-Y, Mac, M-A-C. That, that can be found at. I have so many different workshops that I have as well that you can visit my website to find out if you want me to come speak. And that's www.crcounseling.com llc.com and go to the go on there and go to the speakers column speakers tab and i have all of my workshops i have a portfolio up there i have about eight different workshops that i created over the past two years that's tailored for professionals so have your way with that there you go so important so important absolutely and we do have a signature question And it is, if you could tell a younger version of yourself something about, let's say, eating disorders or body image, what would you tell her? I would tell her that you've experienced things in your body that only you know what that's like. But those experiences in your body does not have to determine where your future will be, right? It won't determine where your destiny is. And so if if I could have grasped hold of that concept that I need to have some type of faith, I need to be able to accept my body. I need to be able to heal and forgive people. I think I would have been further along than where I am now, but I can't go back to change that, but I can't help the next younger person who's maybe going through those things like, hey, it doesn't control you. It doesn't have to control you. You can control you. Love that. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your message. It was such so great to spend time with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group. I'm Sweet Enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours.